What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David, Candace, and Isaac. And yet again, we're talking about a Grizzlies loss. Final score, 108 to 102. The Grizzlies did try to make it interesting at the end of this game, but just honestly, it seemed like the entire game they would get it close and just hit a wall. Couldn't get over the top for whatever reason. And also, the Heat, more than Bam Adebayo specifically, but it seemed like more than just him, was full-on lean forward in the chair, try-hard mode tonight for this one. They were really getting up for a Grizzlies team that was struggling. Candace, did you feel that way? Do you feel like these guys were playing harder than they typically would for a eighth game of the regular season, or am I seeing stuff? Well, I think the Heat is they're always gonna try hard. I I was specifically lean to Kyle Lowry as a guy who does not generally try hard, who tried hard, and that stood out. Um, for the most part, they got guys who will put in a lot of effort and go above and beyond and they're they're that's their that's their thing, heat culture. But uh I do feel like Kyle Lowry in particular joined them in that effort. And, you know, I think it has a lot to do with when you're playing a team that you feel like you should beat, and the Grizzlies are one in seven now, you know, I think they're going to experience that. Like, teams aren't going to want to lose to the Grizzlies until they can play better. So they kind of have to – it might become the new normal. We'll see. But I, it wouldn't surprise me if that became the new normal. Yeah, I, I think there was definitely some extra effort tonight. I think we've seen – going back to the, the matchup in the preseason between these two teams – Bam has kind of shown that he's salty about Jaron winning defensive player of the year last year. Um, and, and he took he, he took this personal. I, I don't think there's any question. You could tell they called a foul on him early in the first quarter against Jaron. He's pissed off like they're in full quarter in a one-point game or something. He's like pumping his fist. Like he didn't even want them to call a foul on him against Jaron. So that they were going back and forth all night. You could tell both of those guys had a little something extra going on uh, between those those two guys. You could see it our game. Jared really took it to him in the third quarter, but I think Bam kind of got him back in the fourth quarter and probably kind of worn out in, in that matchup in the end. But Jared, excuse me, a tremendous game tonight as well. Um, just wasn't enough to get the win. And Kyle Lowry, man, just a throwback game tonight. Um, I, I, I tweeted out during the game. I was like, man, calm down a little bit, man. He was everywhere uh, tonight just trying to get in passing lanes, knocking down threes. I mean, this is like Kyle Lowry from 10, 12 years ago. Um, in, in the game tonight. I think Candace has a great point that I think with the Grizzlies having a record that they are, teams are looking at them like this is a win that we should get and we're not going to let this team beat us. So they're going to get a tremendous effort night in and night out uh, from teams. And Highsmith uh, is becoming a kind of a, a, a kind of silent Grizz killer. I um, mean, he's put up some great performances against this team, 14 points tonight. Um, he's He's been a guy that seemingly for the last couple of years, the Grizzlies have really really had trouble with. Uh, so, so a tough loss, man. I, I felt like this was one that they could get uh, on the home floor. I've talked about this over the last couple of days, about these two games on the home floor. Um, and then Tyler Hero goes down uh, with the, the ankles in the first half, and you think, okay, this is really a, a spot where they they should should be able to pull this one out, man, but just weren't able to do it. Uh, made it close in the end, uh, set up the trap. Sonny got the steal, knocked down the three. Um the last defensive play, I didn't like it at all. I don't know why you're trapping that far away from the basket. Uh, leads to the Hamid Highcast three. 
uh, to put them up six, and, and that was your ball game, man. So just another tough loss, one and seven, man. I'm I'm getting tired of jumping on here talking about losses, man. And but another one uh, to add to that right side column tonight, man. Just just a tough one. Yeah, Bang struggled a little bit tonight. I mean, not even just a little bit. He struggled quite a bit. Four of sixteen from the field, fifteen points. But you also have to take into consideration the the quality. You know, Jimmy Butler is one of the best defenders in the league. That there's a reason that he has multiple all defensive nods, and Spolstra is a fantastic coach, and he does a great job scheming against guys, trying to make other players beat you. And it was obvious that they wanted somebody other than Desmond Bain to beat them tonight. And honestly, in the first half, the bench unit kind of looked like they were up to it. They looked like they were going to make this a game and at least keep them in it. And they kind of did that that run late. Uh, the the Heat pulled away a little bit, and then they they cut it back down. The Grizzlies cut it back down to three. But that I won't say it came out of nowhere. That came from them not giving up. But I feel like the fourth quarter of this game, the Heat just took over. And the Grizzlies were holding on for dear life. Yeah, and well, one thing that I, that I'm I'm just tired of talking about when we're beating it like a dead horse is the defensive scheme. Why did they continue over and over to allow Bam to get to that little sweet spot right inside the free throw line? That is his spot. And time and time again, he was just walking into that jump shot, and they just allowed it to happen over and over. Like I, I don't know how you sit on the sideline and, and see this stuff and, and don't make an adjustment. I, I mean, it, it happened over and over again, man. You just never saw an adjustment made on it, man. I, I just don't get it. I'm I'm tired of actually talking about it. Um, we've we've seen these struggles. Uh, we've seen the defensive struggles on, on guarding the perimeter early in the season uh, for, for multiple years now. It seems like they don't, they're on tape delay. They get it around January, February, and they, they fix it. But we've seen a lot here. Uh, some of it has to do with personnel, but we saw this when they were at full strength, uh, that they continue to have these same defensive struggles. And I don't understand. I don't understand as a coaching staff how you go out there and you review this film and you watch it over and over and you see the overhelping, especially when you have the defensive player of the year on your back line and Jaron. Why are you overhelping so much? Like, I I, I don't know, man, but I I hate to, to, to kind of harp on a negative some positive, some positive stuff. Luke Kennard, uh seems to be all the way back. I mean, fantastic in that first half. Um, I, I think he needs to be inserted in the starting lineup. Um, Zaire Williams, man, started off, we were talking about the preseason and the confidence he had in those first few games, but it seems like he's he's lost it. Um, he, he just hasn't been the same player. Um, he's really struggled on the defensive end. I think he's been one of the, kind of the problems why They've kind of started off game slow. I mean, he's really, really struggled to stay in front of his man. And I just think if he's not gonna gonna play defense, and, and defense is not your concern, I think you take the take the offensive trade off with Luke Kennard and, and add him into the starting lineup until Ja comes back. Uh, when when Ja comes back, I think it'll help Zaire as well because I think his role anyway is optimal off the bench, and I think Luke can, at that point move back to that bench role where he's a guy that can come in and provide offense and knock down perimeter shots. But for right now, I think this team has to get off the better starts. They need all the offense they can get. They need all the shot making they can get. So I think if Zaire is going to struggle on the defensive end the way that he has, if I'm Taylor Jenkins, I think I'm inserting Luka to that starting lineup. Um, like now, 
Um, I, I think it's time to go ahead and make that move. I think I've seen enough. And and shout out to the kids over at St. Jude, man, because Luke, Luke is making those deposits now, man. I'm just glad to see him get his shot back. It because it looked like he was broken for a while, man. It started started to get me to worry. Uh, people talk about our shooting coach and Blake Ahern and how he ruins guys, man. I, I started getting worried a little bit, man. Coming back from the shoulder injury, his shot just didn't look the same. But man, he he's all the way back. He's shooting with confidence. They had him on the ball a little bit in that first half. Um, and he really carried the team when Desmond Bain was struggling. Um, he kind of took up a lot of that slack in, in the first quarter when he came in from from Desmond Bain not really been able to get going on offense. Oh, I was waiting on Candace there. I thought she was going to jump in. But so so I have two questions. You say move Kennard to the starting lineup. You look at Aldama's yeah, five for 14 from the field tonight, 12 points. If you swap Zaire and Kennard, where does your offense off of the bench come from? Yeah, that's my You know, we, we, I we, mean, we, we talked about – we've talked about Aldama on multiple occasions about you can't rely on him at this point because even though we see good stuff from him, you we're not getting that consistently – so if you listen, I'm all about making changes. This team is not playing well, but I don't know that moving Luke into the starting lineup is going to give you the, what you're looking for, because if you do that, then you have no offense coming off of the bench. But I'm, I'm with the team in the state that it's in now. I, I'm not super concerned about that. But like I, I just think that they need to get off the better starts offensively. This team is void of offensive production. Anyway, uh, I mean, just find a way to stagger the lineups because, I mean, Zaire is not giving you anything, and he's hurting you to start these games. Like, you you can see he's hurting you defensively. I mean, I, I get that idea, and I, and I think I would agree with that more if the team was at full strength. But right now, I'm not as concerned about what, what you're going to get out the bench versus what are you going to get from the starters. You just need production, however however you can get it, whether, who, it who it comes from, because you even saw – uh, I mean, outside, even outside of Luke, man, you saw the starters kind of carry this team in the first half, and I think that's one of the reasons why they weren't able to win this game, honestly, because with the team in the state that it's in now, you need Jaron and Bain to both be great, and Bain wasn't wasn't good tonight. Um, I mean, that's that's just simple, about simple as it gets. That's that's the reason why they weren't able to win this game. But for me, I'm I'm not really concerned about the bench now because I mean they're so thin anyway. It's just kind of is what it is, I, I think I'll take the better start and, and try to figure it out from there versus worrying about where that offense is going to come in from off the bench. That's just kind of where where I am on it. No, that's, that's fair. So, so Candace, I, I agree with Isaac in that they have not been starting very well. What would your fix be for that? What, what does that look like for you? Um. I, I'm on the fence about the move, man. I don't think I can I can get behind completely. I understand the logic, and I I don't disagree with it. But you know, I I, I you you were saying generally the bench production can't be worried about it. But to be honest, the games that I got the blown that they got blown the doors off of were the games where they didn't get anything from the bench. Like there man, were let, games. Let Kenny cook, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> their worst games are the games with like Marcus Smart, De Jaron Jackson Jr., 
Dez and Bang going off, right? Like the starters killing it. And then they just got so whipped on the bench that it just didn't mean anything. So if we hadn't seen it before, I think I'd be willing to give your theory a try. But we have seen them look their worst when they have no bench production and them at least look competitive when they're getting something from their bench. There's something to it. I also think there's something to letting Luke cook against second unit where he's guaranteed to get more, well, not necessarily more open looks, but, you know, his defenders aren't going to be able to defend him as well. I think there's something to say about that. I, I agree with the point that Zaire is not doing well, and I think he's regressed. But I can also see a world where you get some regression from Luke for the same reason, just that, you know, night in, night out, higher pressure defense does does your shot regress. And that's one guy they can't afford to risk regressing from. They just got him back <laughs> from whatever dead he's come from. Um, and I worry almost like a John Contrary situation if he's got too much. I think part of what took Luke a while is he's got more on-ball responsibilities that take, took him a minute to bounce back and adjust and balance that out. If you've got him in a more featured role, how does he respond to that it would be a bit concerned for me. Um, but it's, it is tough because they're not getting enough from the starting unit either. And that's a fair criticism. No, no way around it that I don't, I think Zaire has given up his, you know, it was his job to lose and I think he's lost it, but do you risk putting somebody in the place and, and kind of messing up what competitive nature they do have right now? I was, and to add to that, real quick, another reason why I think it's it, it would help is because I think it helps Desmond Bain. Um, I think it, it helps Marcus Smart as well. I think having Luke Kennard on the floor gives you another ball handler, so you don't necessarily have to worry about whether Marcus Smart is going to have a ball or, or overusing Bain. Because I think people are kind of kind of complaining about Bain tonight and asking what's wrong with him. Number one, his usage is just through the roof right now, so it's probably probably just fatigue but I think also I think teams are figuring out okay this is the guy if we can stop him we can stop this team and tonight it just seems like they were just kind of running him around in circles uh, sometimes even picked up fouls because of that I think if you add Luke Kennard on the floor I think that's going to open up things even more for Bain and I think it helps him I think it just helps the lineup overall I think it helps Trip. I think it helps everybody to have those two shooters on the floor because those are guys that you have to honor I, I get the idea of of the bench being thin, but I just think that they're so thin right now anyway that it's just, I, I mean, I, I I can't say you can't worry about it, but they're just in a bad spot, and I think you just have to take the bad with the good, and I think getting off to those better starts and, and getting Bang going early and, and opening things up for him, opening things up for Trip, so he can go inside and, and do some things, I, I just think that's better for the team overall kind of than what they're doing right now. Yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced, but I do think for that reason I'd love to continue to see Luke close. I don't think that he played Luke enough with that final lineup um in the, in the final minutes of the fourth quarter. I really think Luke should have been brought in earlier. I think Zaire was in way too long in the fourth quarter. Uh that really is their best lineup and they need to play that. Uh so and maybe that's part of why I'm not as sold on the starter thing cuz I care more about who finishes. The game, I do know that they've been getting in these tough holes, but they were so – and I said, this isn't a game where it was over in the first quarter. 
You know what I mean? Like if it was one of those games, I, I could see the argument for where they're just getting such big holes that they can't get out of it. And they were within two, within one, you know, so many times Um, in terms of getting over the hump. I, I feel like that's got a lot, lot to do with lineups Um, and just going away from certain stuff. I think I still, I don't get why they play Kenny in the first. I mean, he's one of the first guys off the bench now. Um, in the big man rotation, and it's like, yeah, they don't play no matter what he does, like <laughs> that's it. Like, I, I just, I don't, I don't understand. I literally don't understand the logic behind behind that. But, but yeah, I just, I, I don't think that. I think that in terms of them getting over the hump in this game, I, I say, it, me personally, I put a lot on coaching. I do. I know. Yes, I know the the team shot poorly, and I know the coach can't shoot better for the players. But I do know that I didn't see a single adjustment to get his players open. We saw some really cool concepts on the role games against Portland with these stagger screens and and, and just finding ways to get Desmond Bain the ball, finding ways to get uh, a, a guy cutting to the basket in the open shot. Now, I know Miami is much better defensively, obviously, than the Portland Trailblazers, but I just didn't see any counter trying of anything really that it did get something going with the Jaron Bang pick and roll. I did notice that I'll give them credit for it, but um, just for like, not only from a coaching perspective, offensively, we didn't get guys going. They did get Jaron going, finally got him some paint touches um, when he kind of took over the game there against the second unit. Uh, but that was pretty late in the game. I think that could have been done earlier. I was sort of thinking, why is he on the perimeter so much early on? But defensively, I, I felt like uh, the Miami Heat did a great job of taking away the Grizzlies' best player, Desmond Bain. And the Memphis Grizzlies, to Isaac's point, <laughs> decided, hey, the other teams are one of their best players. Let's just give him the best shot he could possibly have, his mid-range shot, and, and that'll work. We'll just continue to give him the shot that he wants the most, and that's going to be our defensive strategy. Like, I really feel like in terms of getting over the hump when they were getting when they were getting so close, I lend to I I lean towards coaching in those moments. Like you've got the momentum, the players are making some plays, getting the turnovers, and then we put in a crazy lineup and then we lose momentum. You know, so I I feel like that's a lot of what happened today. Um, so anyway, I guess because of that, I don't feel the need to make any well. I see the need to make a, a starting lineup change, but I'm not team throw it up against the wall just just for the sake of it because uh, I, I like seeing those guys close. I think it's more effective closing, and I think you can you can overcome the first quarter lull, if you will, offensively because they have um, in recent times with the help of their bench. Right. We're talking about like Isaac. We were we've been talking about the the bench score and like what happens if we move Kennard to the lineup to the starting lineup. Something else that Isaac mentioned earlier was the defensive scheme and how he's sick of talking about it. And then we've mentioned a couple times about Bam shooting that mid range and and it not being like a, a lightly contested mid range. Sometimes not even lightly contested, but analytically. That's what you want. You want them shooting mid-range shots. And that's why you have kind of – you've watched – you go back into the 90s 
and the best players in the 90s, they were operating in that mid-range. They were owning the game in that mid-range. And now the game has shifted to where you want to get to the rim or you want to shoot threes. And Taylor Jenkins made it clear in his media availability before the game that their focus is the paint. And if you look at the numbers, it makes sense as to why they want to do that. In the NBA, the average finish at the rim, the the field goal percentage at the rim in the NBA this season is 66.2%. Over the course of 100 possessions, that's 132.4 points. The NBA average three-point shooting is 39.2% this year for 117.6 points over the course of 100 possessions. So would you rather give up the three or would you rather give up the rim? And the answer is you'd rather give up the three. And that is not fun to watch specifically because it feels like teams are shooting way better against the Grizzlies than what they are against the rest of the league. And that's just not factual. The Grizzlies are shooting our opponents against the Grizzlies are shooting 39.7%, which is only a 0.5% increase against other teams in the league. So it's tough to watch. It's brutal for us to watch, but how does that rank? Oh, I I didn't no, no I don't I don't know as far as like the the opponent I was man <laughs> like, I was short timing I know what my eyes tell me yeah I don't I don't, I don't know about so, the analytics but I don't know about the analytics but that's that I I think that's one issue with this coaching staff that right. everything that they do is analytical they don't use enough of the eye test like you see in this night in and night out that that's one of the major factors in you losing these ball games. And you don't change it. Um, I think that was young Harriet that said in the space the other night, kind of talked about how they allow, they take in information like at the beginning of the season, because we saw this, we see this time and time out at the beginning of the season and they take in this information. And then in January, they evaluate and say, okay, we look at it. We're looking at these numbers. Now this is not working. So how can we change this? Like, I don't understand why you're not doing that game to game when you're watching film that you see that these three-point shots are, are, are one of the reasons why you're losing this game, and you just let it go on and go on and go on for a couple months and say, oh, well, now it's it, it's time to fix it. That's that's the issue with, with Taylor Jenkins. I um, mean, it's something that you've seen from guys that come from the Boonholzer coaching tree. I mean, that's that's just kind of how they see the game, exactly how David just broke it down. Boone, Mike was the same way. That's kind of the same way he coached uh, the game. They – worry about the paint more than they worry about perimeter shots, but the league is becoming more and more perimeter oriented. And if you leave NBA shooters open, man, they're going to gonna make these shots. I, I don't know what those numbers say, and it, 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 it surprises me that it would be that close to league average because it, to me, it just I watch other teams, and I don't see other teams giving up wide-open shots as much as Grizzlies. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a team just continue to disregard the perimeter. I I I don't know. Um, I, I have to do some more searching on that, but that kind of surprises me. Those numbers that you just kind of said. Yeah, yeah. I, I still want to know where it is relative to the to the to the league. Yeah, like full full transparency. I wanted to get those numbers to find out where, like, so the average league average from three is thirty nine point two for the season, 
and they're shooting 39.7 against the Grizzlies. I, and I just didn't – I ran out of time. I was trying to get it going before we went live tonight, and I just didn't didn't have it. So, I, like, I'll try to find that. I've been digging around while you guys were talking to try and locate it, and I hadn't pulled it up yet. I'm sure that I'll be able to find it. I'm sure I can go on, like, uh, cleaning the glass or something like that yeah. and pull that stat up. Yeah. I'd like just, to see volume as well, like how many right. – how many – How many more attempts they're getting. Yeah, how many more yeah. attempts they're getting. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, and that's up. something, like, when we, uh, when we do our – our big show for this month and, and then are maybe the, the first one that we do here in the next uh, week or so, that's something we can pull up and I'll have all of those numbers and be a little bit more in depth with it. But I, I was a little bit shocked because when I'm watching the game and I see the overhelping and I see wide open three, wide open three, slightly contested three, I'm like, there's no way, there's no way this is your defensive scheme. There's no way. And then Jenkins sits there in that presser and he's like, oh, yeah, there's some stuff that we're, we we need to work on, but, you know, we're focused on the paint. Da, da, da. And so I, I'm like, okay, I can figure this out. Let me go searching. And I started looking for those numbers and it shocked me a little bit. But I there, there are more layers to that. That's just surface numbers. They're – I think when you dig into it a little bit more that you may see a little bit more of a gap than what that is showing. But on the surface, it doesn't it, – it's appearing to us a lot worse than what it actually is. And I, I think I'm going to – I'm going to completely agree with everything that Isaac said is that I think that's what they do. They look analytically on the surface, but there's so much context that's missing. Like you, like you said, David, you're correct mathematically – the mid-range shot is what you want to give up, but know your personnel because you're a coach, and that's literally your job. But at least to know the opposing people's personnel, yeah. your own, and 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 know this guy is what Bam wants right in the mid-range. That's like some team saying, "Oh yeah, we're fine with Ja going to the rim." I mean, Ja's gonna have a field day. Like, what sense does it make? To be like, well, you know, we, we it's a, you know, on paper, it's a yeah, the numbers say. You know, I know, I know that that the rim is is the statistically the highest shot. I'm just saying, like, on paper, it's one thing, but if you know a player has a particular strength, to just say for this player, because on paper it doesn't work, it doesn't apply to this specific player who has a special skill set in this area. Like, it yeah, just. It just misses so much context, and that I was gonna say, leave, yes, yeah, just leave Steph open uh, right, for three. Yeah. It don't matter. Yeah, just leave. <laughs> We yeah, gotta protect well, the rim. Don't need to go. No, we gotta protect the rim. Don't need to guard that guy from three. Like, I, I remember going a few years back, watching JV play drop defense, man, and and I wanted to gouge my eyeballs out. I was like, dude, there's no it. way. He's he's so rough, there, man. There was a that. game. Karis Levert scored like thirty eight. Yeah, I remember. And that. I swear, thirty of it was 17-foot jump shots from yep. JV playing drop. And this man wasn't even close. Like, he would be dropping back. Lavert would be two feet behind the free throw line, and JV is under the rim. I'm like, mm. you know, Yeah, it, I remember it was, I remember was doing a post game after that show. And, yeah. and that's I, I messaged Isaac during the game. I'm like, man, we need to get Brevin on here because Brevin has a level of a not a level of knowledge of the game that exceeds ours and have him break it down and say, okay, this is why they're doing that. And I think that if we do that, that it's going to kind of open some eyes as to, you know, it's 
you can understand the the game of basketball, but when you get to this level of the game, there's so many extra layers to it. And I feel like all of us have a really good understanding of the game and how things operate. But the one thing that we don't have is the mindset that these coaches are having, the stuff that they're talking about in the room. And I'm not trying to be a, a company man and be like, oh, you know, Jenkins <laughs> is fine or anything like that, because there's a lot of things that you can point to that are weaknesses and shortcomings from Taylor Jenkins. But I feel like he doesn't give us enough in the pressers. When you ask him questions, you get coach speak for a lot of it. So you never really get into why is this happening and why is that happening? And so we just have to use the level of knowledge that we have. And when you've played at that level or when you've coached at that level, there's going to be some more explaining that you could do to kind of enlighten other people. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agreed. Um, it's it's frustrating though, man. There there are no obvious solutions, and so yeah, I do know that this team is still they're still missing some injured guys. I think they're healthier. I I, I take missing, you know, Conchar and Tillman over you know Santi and Luke every day, all day. I think we do have the better players back, but I do think they they still miss some depth. Um. And I again, I, I want to say as as much as I think it's coaching, I do understand that the players did not have a good game. Bain in particular did not have a good game. Um, I'm team when it comes to Des and Bain this year. If he has a bad game, you can acknowledge the bad game. There's nothing wrong with saying he didn't have it tonight. But I also think there's a fine line between doing that and then going to criticize him for not doing well when Des and Bain is the only reason why this team is even looked like an NBA team, to be honest, at times on the court out there. Uh, it's just been him playing hero ball. And I don't think that's something you can expect him to keep up. And a lot of people are talking about the contract and the money that he makes and all of that. He's averaging about what John made, which I did. In terms yeah, of he's, he's averaging game, 46 like, points a game. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know what you – Like, I mean, you can't get asked for any more than that. What you want to average, 35? Right. Like, like, he's <laughs> earned the contract. I think he's yeah, the team under contract. Doesn't mean he won't have a bad game. Uh, that, that yeah, is, I, I had somebody tweet at me earlier. It's like, man, Bang got to do more. He's making 200 million. I'm like, this dude's having 26 points a game right now. Right. What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> like, what yeah, are we talking I, about? It's like there there is no room for error. He has to no. play – at this level, and 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 that's just it's obnoxious because you look across the league, Joel Embiid, big contract has bad nights. Steph Curry, big contract has bad nights. Right. Giannis, you can run down the list, and regardless of resume, all of these guys at some point are gonna have a night where stuff is just not falling. You can credit the Miami defensive scheme, and mm-hmm. I think tonight that was a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but but even outside of the defensive scheme, you're not gonna be on every single night. Nobody is ever. Period. Did I lose you guys? No, I no, thought you were going. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah I'm going to cook, man. That that was but it. That's could, all but I was yeah, saying. I do go yeah. somewhere. No, yeah, man. Like, like just... I said, his usage is is super high right now. Yeah. I mean, he's in a position. He's a guy that's probably 
best suited to be a, a, a B type player, uh, even though he puts up those big numbers. So when you put him in those positions, and teams are now scouting that. When, when they scout the Grizzlies, now their number one focus defensively is how can we stop Desmond Bain? And when teams figured it out, I mean, that's this is a tough spot to be in because I don't think that's the optimal role for him. We've seen him. He can do it. But I think as time goes on, the more and more that they have to play without John Moran and, and these injuries, teams are going to key in on that more and more. And, and we know Spolstra and how much of a genius he is. You knew that they were going to do their best job of taking him away. I mean, I think that's a lot of what you saw tonight. You're just going against a really good head coach that came into the game with their game plan saying, we're not going to let Desmond Van beat us. And that's what you saw tonight. And he still put up decent numbers even beyond that. But I, I think a lot of it, you see a shot coming up short tonight. I think a lot of that is just fatigue. I mean, he's running all over the place. I mean, he's been locking in on defense. And he's been right. getting it done on both ends, getting down hills, knocking down shots. I mean, he's doing everything out there. So I, I, I definitely give him a pass, man. I'm not criticizing him at all. I mean, you can always criticize people, but I just don't think that there's any need for that because he's out there playing his ass. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, guys are averaging 26 points a game, and I don't think he's done everything and more than you would have expected out of him in this situation. And from what I understand, I, I believe that he might be sixth place. I heard on the Chris Vernon show in steals. In addition to everything he's doing offensively, I think he's like yeah. ranked six. And then yeah, his NBA defense has definitely improved. Yeah. So like, I mean, Again, to your point, I don't, I don't know which how much more you can ask, but I will say this: in in terms of ways that the Grizzlies can get over the hump, we've talked about the coaching lineups, potentially you know coaching and how that could could help a great deal. Rotations are a part of that. Also, yes, players could shoot more efficiently, but you know, understand your personnel. But one thing that I do think that's gone on the radar under the radar, and I'm surprised you haven't mentioned it to this point, David. Maybe it is so many holes in this team that maybe it's just you know another one. The free throw shooting has not been good. It's not been terrible. But like it's it's been well, it's been pretty bad. I'm curious as to where they rank with that. I'm pretty sure they're still bottom of the league. Um man, I just say making the free throws could something went over two. And that was brutal. It's pretty critical time uh for him as well. But if you go back and look at some of these box scores, Grizz aren't shooting very well. From the three point line, from the three point line, uh, some of it's Jerry missing some, some of it's uh, Smart missing some, like, and some of it's your main guys. It's not just your bench guys getting these, getting these things. So in terms of how now that the Grizzlies are looking, they look better. The results aren't the same, but they look better than they did. I'd say in the first four games, these past two or three, even against the Miami Heat, I think they still looked better. The question is. If you're trying to get over the hump, I think free throws can really help you do that a lot. And it's not been talked about, but maybe it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they need every point they can get right for now. Sure, like they sure. get any free, free throws, man. Cause points are at a premium uh, for this team. Offenses, offensively, it's been a struggle. So they definitely need those points. Any Anytime they can get them, they're free. That's why they call them free throws. Yeah. Most nights they're losing the rebounding battle, not just because they are fouling a lot and so the other team's getting an immense amount attempts more of attempts more they're also just not shooting what they do have as effectively pretty consistently across the board i've noticed it so yeah they're they're shooting 76.1 as a team which is middle of the pack i think it was 17th i've I've rolled away from that screen but 
I, I don't mean to keep bouncing around, but I'm going to bounce back. We were talking about that percentage, the three point percentage. So the the thirty nine point seven percent is 29th in the league. Yep, it's out and right. yeah. opponent sounds about right. Made <laughs> uh, they're twenty eighth in the league as far as yep. like allowing the opponents are making fifteen point four threes per game against the Grizzlies, and that that's excluding tonight's numbers. But Man, did you look and see who was below them? Like what team? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can bring it up here. Uh, so three pointers made teams below them: Chicago Bulls, San Antonio Spurs, and mm-hmm. on the the three point percentage against. Uh, the Spurs are the only team below them. Hmm. Interesting. So, you know, that, a, that, a, that, a young that, Spurs that, team, you know, they're not starting. I, I think uh, which Zach Collins is kind of a vet, but, you know, you have Jeremy Sohan, Jeremy Sohan. Guard. Uh, Vassell's been out. So, like, they, they, they're they starting with Benyama as a rookie. So, and, like, they have a lot of guys that are young on that team, and that's the only team – that the Grizzlies are outperforming right now. And that speaks to a lot uh, of the reason of, of why they're one and seven. Yeah. And I, I haven't, I haven't hammered on the free throws. I talk about that. I feel like I talk about it too much. So I've really been trying to focus on throttling that back some, and but it, 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 it eats me up. For you, man. And like it, 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 it does. It, it's so, I know, I've listened to a number of different people, a number of different uh, ex pros that have said that shot is not like anything else that you're, because you're not in rhythm, you're just out there all by yourself. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like, damn it, if you made it to the NBA, if you made it to the highest level of basketball, you should be able to shoot free throws better than what this team has over the last four or five years. And specifically to me, if you are a guard and or wing player, if you're not shooting 78% plus, I, you're not doing something right. And, and that's what I don't understand about this team. Like, when you look at the players on this team outside of Stephen Adams, obviously, it doesn't seem like this would be a bad free throw shooting team on paper. Like, on the surface, when you look at it, you would think, okay, they that should be a pretty good three point uh, free throw shooting team. I don't understand it. And it seems like they've, as a team, been extremely streaky. Like, John Morant. John Moran will get into a mode where he's making all of them. And then he'll get into the mode to where he's really struggling. Like, and it seems like other guys take the lead trip is the same way. Like he'll, at times he'll make them all. And then other times he, he struggles. It's, it's weird. Um, a lot of players like that on the team. Xavier Tillman is another guy where you'll see him consistently step up there and make two. And then other times, like he airballed one the other night. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. It's weird. I, I just don't think when you look at this team, you would think on the surface it would be a team that was a bad free throw shooting team. But some reason over and over, man, that, that's been the case, man. Shout out to, to Blake Earhorn, who's a guy who he's his claim to fame was he like broke some free throw shooting record in the G League or something. But it, it ain't translating. That's, that's all I say. If the free throws ain't translating, the three-point shooting ain't translating. So I, I don't understand why that guy still has a job, but I, yeah. I digress. Yeah, at all. And, and, and to your point, two guys you just mentioned that they have that have tended to bring down that percentage, and that is Ja, simply because he shoots so many, and then when he doesn't have his good day, he's average down, and then Steven Adams. Like, they ain't playing. So, you know, just... And, and that's people, why that's why this team, like those two things that you just mentioned, that's why this team is 16, 17, 18 in the league, 
instead of 28, 29, 30. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been going back the, the few years previous, they've been in the bottom five of the league in free throw percentage. A lot of that, like John Morant and the amount that he shoots is very impactful on that. Yeah. And Adams does, like, he misses a lot. His percentage is terrible, but his volume is not as high. But when you have two yeah. guys that are such a negative drag on that, it's hard to bring it up. But right now, that there's there's not any excuse as to why they're setting where they're at right now. I didn't mean to talk over. You can go ahead and gain us. Yeah, no, I'm just saying that I, I think that's a good point. And, and if they really want to figure out how to close out some of these games, what can be the difference, even if they are having a poor shooting night, that's one thing they can do. There's a lot they can't do stuff about. There's injuries. They can't do anything about that. Rotations. They can only do what the coach tells them. But that's within their control. And I hope that well, I know it's not really a point of emphasis because nobody's talking about it, but I I really wish it would come to the forefront. It's being a little lost because I think everybody's kind of laying on, well, the excuses, honestly, the, the injuries and all of that, and that those are valid reasons, but just because they're not winning doesn't mean the focus should go away from that because it it's still, this is a prime opportunity for them to, they can move up to 10. Like, they have three more wins, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I'm, yeah, I'm going to win that Denver uh, game for sure. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to just place the blame uh, solely on John Calipari, and then, <laughs> then we're going to close the show. Yeah. Just uh, a <laughs> yeah. Just that's a curse on the city, man. That, that's been, right. Dealing with yep. for years. So uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up again. Final score of the game: the Grizzlies lose 108 to 102. Uh, we'll be back uh, next game. What are we? It's Friday. Friday night. Yep. They play. Bro, I am out of it. Utah. I had the schedule up. Thank you. Yeah. Utah. Man, turn, and that, that game. isn't, yeah. So Jersey. we get to see the new, yeah. court. new court. We get the city jerseys. Mm. Yeah. I, I can't wait. That's, uh, I'm actually go down to that game in person. So we may not do a post game right after. We may do the post game on Saturday on that. One. We'll see how it goes. I, I'm not sure what, what's going to happen, but uh, we're back on Friday night or Saturday to do a post game on that one. Hopefully talking about a win. The Jazz kicked the crap out of the Grizzlies in Utah. Let's go ahead and return the favor at home in Memphis. We appreciate you guys tuning in. You can get the show on the X app at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA D Will 2-1. You can find me, it's still Twitter, at Candace H901. <laughs> Isaac, take us home. Yeah, man, I, I know you don't want to call a game must win, uh game night of the season, but – I, I think they got to win that one, man. I, I, I felt like they need to win both of these on the home floor. Uh, you also don't want to go 0-2. If you go 0-2 in in-season tournament games, you can pretty much kiss that goodbye. I know that's not super important right now. You're just trying to get a win, but you don't want to lose this Utah team twice. I know they beat you by double digits, beat you pretty easily out there in Salt Lake City, but you need some get back in this one. So that's a it's a big game on, on Friday night. You talk about the new court. I think the Grizzlies – have one of the best-looking ones from what I've seen. We get to see the city jerseys. Been kind of polarizing on that. Some people like them. Some people don't. Uh, it'll be interesting to see them on uh, and what they look like on, on court. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Uh, but you can find me on, on Twitter at Isaac Double underscore NBA. Um, as David said, we'll be back Friday and Saturday. Um, I'm just going to leave it right here. Free Junior. Uh, and we'll talk to you then, man. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Here we go.